going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Wendy Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined my co-host, Matt Wellen. Matt, how are you doing this evening? You know, I'm just kind of chomping at the bit to get to the draft. Uh, it's kind of that slow point right beforehand. Um, and we'll talk about all the, the bicycling that's happening in the world out there. But I'm going to kick it back to you. Let's get this thing started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, this episode is called The Art of the, the Backpedal because we saw for so long Mac is basically a lock at three. The 49ers, mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's no question about it. And then now it's starting to, to like, oh, well, actually, you know, um, I was watching Vish, Vish Kumaran. He does a show with, with Grant Cohn, and he was basically saying, I said in the group chat, look, it went from nobody really knows. It could be Mac. I think it is Mac. It's Mac. Oh well, let's not forget these other guys too. It's like you basically saying you know nothing really. Um, the 49ers are kind of known for not leaking. Would it surprise you at all if these insiders actually did have some sort of source in the team? Uh, they don't have anything. I mean, this is what I was saying when I went on my rant uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's just like you didn't hear anything about the trade. You've never been able to put together anything solid coming out of this team in terms of leaks or anything over the course of the entire regime. And now all of a sudden you just know that it's Mac Jones. Um, I think that, you know, I think it was Chris Sims. That was the first one to kind of run with that. And I think people just piggybacked off of that because one, Oh, Mac Jones, he's the quintessential Kyle pocket passer guy. And two, Chris Sims is his like super close buddy. So if anybody would know, it'd be him. And, you know, it's just it's one of those things where everybody piled on. And now that it's starting to look a little bit different in the last you know few days, everybody's backing off of that. Because let's be real, Mac Jones at three, giving up three first round picks to get up to number three from 12 for Mac Jones, who probably would have been there at 12. is pretty preposterous. So now I mean, now they're, they have to backpedal because, you know, if it was Mac Jones, I mean, you're, we're just reading the tea leaves here, right? The guy that's setting up the passing the passing drills for Lance and Fields is somebody that, you know, uh, this was on The Athletic earlier, is somebody that's close to Shanahan and knows, knows Shanahan. And the 49ers are kind of setting up what they want them to roll through. They didn't do that with Mac Jones. Um, if it was Mac Jones, why have these second pro days for these other guys? So, you know, when you, when you read between the lines and not just parrot something that you hear from somebody that you think is in the know, you can kind of put it together. Exactly. And I think the kind of thing that was most intriguing, puzzling, however confusing cinnamon you want to synonym you want to put here is they likely could have had him at 12. Maybe it would have been a little bit of a stretch to say they could have stood pat and, and still got Mac Jones. But the fact that they gave up all of that draft capital, moved up to three overall, basically, and I said this in the last episode, why would the pick remain the same from 12 to three? There's no reason to move up if that's the case. Um, but you did talk about the 49ers, you know, they, they will be going to, it was kind of rumored, I guess, uh, reported as a private workout, which aren't allowed. Um, the, the Patriots will be there. One person said that, and I had to correct that. Nobody was saying it was a private workout except for Oscar of better rivals. That's where I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Who just says stuff sometimes and without, he's just like a reminder, you can't do private workout. He didn't say it was a private workout. He just felt the need to say that there are no private workouts. And I'm just like. Okay, well, it's a good thing Belichick's going, and so now it's going to be the Patriots, the Falcons, and then I heard the the Jets and Broncos are actually going to be there too. So, oh, really? Okay, so I did. Yeah, that. that was that was today. So, okay, we'll see what happens. I'm still not ruling out Justin Fields second 
So yeah, that's also a big, big thing that a lot of people are, I think, overlooking immediately is that, oh, we've heard in front of the media reports, it's Zach Wilson, number two overall. I don't know, man. I don't think it's as as locked in as people are are assuming. I do think that the Jets could very well take, and you've talked about this before, Matt, is a kid that's lived in, you know, Utah, you know, where his whole life going to the New York, the Big Apple, the media. I mean, Sam Darnold, his one piece of advice was basically have thick skin. Don't listen to the media. So it would be kind of a culture shock if they were to take a guy from the Midwest and plug him right into New York. Um, right. And so- then you pile on top of that, too, uh, early – Actually, this was a Grant Cohn thing that got some legs in the national media, too, when Grant Cohn was talking about how, oh, his family founded JetBlue, so he comes from a rich background, so what type of leader is he? Like, whatever, whatever. And then somebody, I don't know if it was Grant or somebody else, said that, like, he had never been a captain. And then, you know, everybody started posting pictures of him with the C in the jersey in, in, the, in the thread, yeah. and it got out of control. But when you hear those things, it's definitely a real possibility. Um, and those are things that, you know, could definitely weigh in on the minds of of Joe Douglas and the regime. Because Joe Douglas, this is going to be his last shot to really get this right. Um, Saul is new. So Saul is probably going to stick around uh, for more than a year, he would hope. Um, Joe Douglas, though, might be on his last leg. So he really needs to do his due diligence to get this right. So that's the thinking behind heading up and seeing and especially because they're importing san francisco's offense if kyle is setting the workouts for fields and lance it makes sense for the jets to go there and at least check it out i think that's kind of the biggest thing is the guy that's picking right behind you you're running his offense and i i talked about this last episode too is you know if, if they're maybe he's trying to get the jets to overthink it and think whoa, whoa, whoa what if kyle's okay with us passing on say justin fields and if he thinks that that's the prototype for his offense, why wouldn't we take him? We're trying to do the same exact thing, um, which is kind of my whole thought process behind this Mac Jones smoke. And I do think that's exactly what it is. And I think in you know roughly two weeks, we will see that that it is smoke. Um, and I, I really do hope so, because yeah. like I said, it wouldn't really make any sense. Well, and here's the thing. If, if you're looking at trying to import the offense, we've heard no smoke about Mac Jones going second to the Jets. If that's like if that's the prototypical guy for that offense, we probably would have heard something more out of that, but yep. it, it's not. So that's kind of one of those things that you look at. Um, but I think that as you get closer, you're doing your evals and you start to see the limitations of Mac Jones. I mean, they were there on hand for that second pro day, and he was missing some throws he should not have been missing. You think about the throws that he missed in shorts against air, and then put a blitzing defense on that. And I went back and watched more of the tape on Jones and, you know, he's got a similar problem to Jimmy G in terms of missing backside defenders that are sitting in zone coverage that he either doesn't read or doesn't pay attention to. And, you know, he only threw four interceptions this year, but when you go back and look at some of those throws, it could have been a lot more had the defenders been able to hold on to the ball. So it's not like he's this sterling over-the-top pocket passer either. Um, he was very accurate, but then you got you know, you got to pay the Alabama tax with how many receivers did you have, you know? Uh, Justin Fields, at the very least, was just as accurate with lesser talent around him. And I know that uh, Olave is, is a guy that's projected to be drafted um, when, you know... Um, I'm not sure, is he out this year or is he next year? I think it's this year. 
this year. Okay, whatever the case, he's not on the on the same spectrum as Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. That's that's for sure. So, you know, Justin Fields was very accurate too. Um, I mean, we could talk about this, but maybe it's because he was a former baseball player. I know Mort thinks that that's uh, something that's going to hurt him, but I think that's crazy. Uh, I think that actually him being a baseball player is is great. So, yeah, you brought that up in the chat. Basically, look at the baseball players that are in the NFL right now, and they're they're doing really well. I, I don't think that that's a negative on on him. I, I think if anything, like you said, it's a positive. Um, yeah, they can throw from different arm slots. Um, if they're under duress, they can still have the arm strength. I mean, we've all seen, you know, uh, just for example, I, I'm a San Diego Padres fan. Just watch Manny Machado at third base, the way he can flick a ball sidearm and get it to first base whenever he wants. That's something you learn in baseball. You have to throw from different angles, different arm slots, because you never know how you're going to field that ball. So for Justin Fields, who's a former baseball player, he's going to have that ability to throw off platform like that and still put enough mustard on the ball to get it to where it's going. And we've seen that with Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Yep. Great, great point. Um, now, as far as the the 49ers, I shouldn't say the 49ers, Justin Fields and Trey Lance's second pro day that they will be holding. Um, it's been reported that they will be kind of running Shanahan offense staples. How much weight do you put into that? Um, I know that the guy that – so the article that I read on The Athletic was basically saying that the guy – and I can't remember his name. I think it's Beck or something like that. Um, the, they're running a pared down version of what they did at Ohio State's Pro Day with the Kyle Shanahan wrinkles thrown in there. So maybe he, the article said maybe he rolled out one way. They want to see him roll the other way. Um, I think that it's definitely important that Kyle wants to see that stuff. Um, it definitely says to me that these are probably the two guys that they're trying to decide between. And I know people say, well, he didn't do that with Mac Jones because Mac Jones is so good at reading defenses and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't think that's the case. Mac Jones didn't run what Kyle Shanahan wants to run. Mac Jones ran 98% of his offense from the pistol or the shotgun. So he was never under center. And you're talking, they Alabama almost never had a fullback. So what you're talking about with Mac Jones is a completely different scheme. And you don't want to see him perform the stuff that you're going to ask him to do on Sunday, like you don't go to a car lot and, you know, for, for like a truck, right. And don't test the four wheel drive, you know, but you have to, you have to test the quarterbacks on what you want them to do. Um, and that may not be the end all be all because it is, at the end of the day, it is a pro day and tape is going to trump everything else. But if you have those questions and you're like, okay, which one of these two do I think is going to do this better? let me get eyes on and see with my own eyes in person um, because I think that's very important to see in person. Um, hey, what's the velocity on the ball? What, what does the arc look like? Um, how quickly does it come off his hands? How quickly can he turn around, you know, and whip his head around from a play action, stuff like that. The little things that on tape might look good, but then, you know, in person look totally different. And again, I'll allude to baseball. 95 on TV looks a lot different than when you're sitting behind the plate and watch 95 in person like that. It's entirely different speed that you're not prepared for. So getting those eyes on is going to be critical for Kyle to make uh, an informed decision that really his career is going to be tied to going forward. Yeah. um, Great, great analysis. I agree. I, I do think that I think maybe people are putting a little too much stock in it, but I mean, look, they're weighing all their options. 
And I think this just plays into that. They're, they're really trying to see as much as they can, as much information as they can to, to make this educated guess, because that's really what you do when you draft a player. Um, I wanted to ask you too, maybe not necessarily ask you, but did you happen to see Tory Smith that kind of got Tory Smith's tweet, excuse me, that got some steam behind it? Uh, the former wide receiver? Yeah. No, I had that dude blocked a long time ago. He gets out of pocket <laughs> way too much. Here, I'm going to show it here. Uh, yeah. He basically said, I promise to never be that former player that is a hater, but I swear I have a hard time understanding the 49ers would trade all that for Mac Jones. I like Mac, and I think he will be a solid player, but as a prospect, I don't see the value in mortgaging the future for him. This is essentially what we've all been saying. Like, that's nothing new. It's just going to get more traction because he used to play, but, you know, that's that's kind of like a, you know, we're, we're 13 minutes in. That's kind of like a no shit moment, you know? No <laughs> no shit, Tori. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought it was interesting that you don't usually see too many other former players um, come out and, and I don't know, not necessarily say bash. but I mean, even Sherman came out and said that. Even Sherman came out and said that, yeah. that they're not going to take Mac Jones. Yep. So, that is a good point. and he's a cur- he's a current player. So, yep. yeah, yep. Th- there's been plenty of articles where it's just like, you know, anonymous execs coming out and saying, "Ah, eh, that doesn't feel right," and it's just like it never felt right. The media was just taking something and running with it. They're it again. It was one of those. Let's hedge our bets. Let's say Mac Jones now because things change. You know, Schefter went. Likely the pick is Mac Jones too. They like all three of them in the span of less than a week. He did that, and that's Adam Schefter. So that tells you everything you need to know. That nobody knows anything. Kyle is sitting there with a maniacal grin on his face, knowing exactly where they're headed and watching everybody spin their wheels. Because I mean, it, it gets eyes on the 49ers, and that's ultimately what the team wants. Yep. Um, and it's funny you you talk about the doesn't smell right article. Um, I have that brought up here, and basically, and and I I do want to say I know a lot of people kind of give Locke and Fora crap. They probably think that he doesn't hit on the head more often than not. Um, but this is basically per him. He says I don't buy it when an AFC executive told him. I think it's Fields at three. I don't know one way or another, but I have a hard time seeing Mac Jones as a third player in this draft. An NFC executive said to Lock and Fora, another NFC, excuse me, another NFC executive told Lock and Fora that Jones being the apple of the 49ers eye doesn't smell right. And that quote definitely kind of picked up some waves on social media, on Twitter, especially. Um, I, I do think that there is some truth here. I do think that a lot of people and other teams are mm-hmm. kind of like, whoa, 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 what do you mean Mac Jones is the guy? Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Well, and everybody's saying, why the smokescreen? Why the smokescreen? You don't have anything. Let's just say that, you know, they like they like Justin Fields the most. OK, even more, even more than Zach Wilson. Let's just say that Justin Fields is their guy. They know Trevor Lawrence is going to be gone. It's a question of the other two. They know the Jets might potentially be interested in Justin Fields. And sure, they have a rapport with Sala and LaFleur. But the wild card is Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas has no ties to Kyle Shanahan and doesn't care what happens at that point. So really what they're doing is they're smoke screening the jets to try to not go after their guy. And in my opinion, it's the only thing that really makes sense. You know, if they, if they were interested in Justin Fields, then 
the best way to get them maybe potentially off of Justin Fields is to sit there at three and go, eh, I don't know about Justin Fields. We like this Mac Jones guy. And then Joe Douglas, who doesn't know Kyle Shanahan, goes, huh, I wonder why this offensive genius doesn't want Justin Fields. And then you get people like Chris Mortensen coming out and saying stuff. You get Dan Orlovsky with his anonymous reports that Justin Fields isn't a hard worker. And then all of a sudden, Kyle can sit back and go, okay, I got an easy street from here. It doesn't look like they're going to go. That's the only thing that makes sense is to, is to do that. So uh, it, for me, the people who are like, it doesn't make sense to smokescreen. It absolutely makes sense when you have at least one team who wants to run your offense with a general manager with no ties and no relationship with you. So, you know. I agree 100%. And I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario here is that they they don't care about anybody behind them. They're, they're worried about the one team in front of them that likely – can and and you know might take their guys so that's probably why they're putting out all this and i don't even want to say they're putting it out but maybe they're allowing it to go out there unchecked um because it probably helps their cause um we have a question here from from steve zach and matt do you think lance is a better fit for the shanahan offense uh or for shanahan than fields um why don't you go ahead and answer that one first you go and take that first you know, one all i i it's a tough one because yeah, the whole, you know, I forget, I think it was um, the Nick Wagner, the ESPN reporter for the 49ers, kind of was breaking down the stats and basically saying that Lance has operated under center most, which is what the 49ers like to do a little more. Um, but I think that's just one kind of small piece of the pie here. I would like to say yes, but then again, Fields is extremely accurate. Uh, Benjamin Solak of the Draft Network had an article recently that came out and I believe, if, I, if I'm mistaken, he's the most accurate passer within the last few years. Um, I think Shanahan might value accuracy a little more um, than maybe, you know, t- being having experience under center, stuff like that. I'm going to still give the edge to Fields, but what do you think? Maybe I'm wrong here. Um, uh, you know, when, when I did my draft rankings, I put Lance ahead of Fields just because of the, the pure, unadulterated upside that you can get with a player like Trey Lance. But diving back into the film, I think I've flipped back around. I think there's just something to be said for Justin Fields, who, you know, two straight years in the Big Ten just absolutely shredded and dominated. And the Big Ten has good defenses in it. Um, He's, again, extremely accurate. Like you said, he's played the biggest defenses. And the real knock that I have on Trey Lance, one is the elongated release, which I really don't like. He dips the ball almost down to his waist. I can't. The way he throws on tape reminds me of Colin Kaepernick, and it, I just don't like it. Um, and that's they're not the same player because Trey Lance is infinitely more accurate than Colin Kaepernick was. Trey Lance was let down by his receivers more than anything else. His ball placement's really good. Um, but the other thing, too, is 17 starts in college and an entire year away. And I will keep coming back to this. You want to see year over year improvement, and I just don't. I don't see it because there's no tape of it. You know, Lance to me is definitely the highest upside guy, but he's also the guy that's going to need the most time. Um, and if you, I mean, if you think that Jimmy G is actually really staying for this entire year, you know, I got some land in Florida to sell you. Um, it's it's out in the water already. So it's just one of those things where, to me, when you look at the big time competition, you look at athleticism. I mean, Lance is a little bit bigger than Fields, but not not a huge amount i would say lance is actually a little lanky fields is stocky fields is 6'3 220 pounds like just straight up solid um 
you look at all those things, all things being equal. And I think that if you're going to pick the safe pick out of those two, the safer pick is Fields, even though, you know, Lance potentially could be better. He he also could potentially be an absolute flame out at the next level. We, we just don't know. Um, so I think in that case, you're not quite going as milk toast as a Mac Jones would be, but you're hedging your bet a little bit that the guy that played Big Ten football, who was elite 11 in high school, who was a five-star recruit coming out, is actually really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny, just kind of assessing the risk level. It almost reminds me, and they're two completely different players, so don't don't get me you know mixed up there as far as players, but the risk level – when Mayhomes came out, everybody was like, Texas Tech, you know, the guy's a gunslinger. He's either going to hit or miss. Bro, wait, 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 wait. Did you just say Mayhomes? Mahomes. <laughs> when Mahomes oh came God. out, you know, you, you remember the narrative back then. It was, you know, he's either going to be a superstar or a complete Johnny Manziel bust. It wasn't even, it wasn't even that he was going to be a superstar. Everybody knew yeah. he was a project guy. Yep. And the best thing for him was to go to Andy Reid's system and sit behind a true pro and Alex Smith. Um, Alex Smith, who, of course, he's not going to push the ball down the field and he's not going to be this and this and that, but he can teach you how to read a defense and mitigate mistakes. I don't know that I trust Jimmy G to teach somebody not to make mistakes and read a defense. No. You know, so it's a different situation. And I think that Lance, you know, Lance is even a, a bigger project than Mahomes was coming out because at least Mahomes, that's a big, that Big 12 is a power five conference. So. You know, it's just there are a lot of questions there with Lance that, again, when you watch the film, he dominates just like he's supposed to because he's a ridiculous athlete. And again, the upside is potentially higher than what it would be with Justin Fields. But the bust potential is also a lot higher. So, yeah, I, I'm I could easily see in five years when we're looking back at this rookie class of quarterbacks, I could easily both see two scenarios, you know, one wow, how did all these teams miss on Trey Lance? He should have gone number one overall or two. Boy, I'm glad we didn't pick him. You know, like there's really two completely different avenues that are both pretty realistic. We're going to say the same thing about whoever the Jets pick too. That's a, <laughs> that's a garbage franchise. I do yeah. not believe in their ability to support a player at all. So if they take Zach Wilson, I'm sorry, but Zach Wilson's not going to have a great career. And that's unfortunate because he's a real talent. And, you know, vice versa, if they somehow took Justin Fields, I don't think that Justin Fields would have a good career because I just don't trust that organization to put anything around their quarterback to, to get good. Yeah. So. Uh, Steve said, hey, man, and Middlecoff said it best. People say Ohio State quarterbacks don't pan out. How many Ohio State quarterbacks have been first-round picks except for Haskins? Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and here's the thing. Haskins is a completely different player than Fields. Fields is infinitely more accurate. They have about the, you know, the same arm strike. That actually argue that Fields has a has a bigger arm. And Fields is a 4-4 guy. Haskins is a statue. Yeah. So, I don't and I don't think that Haskins issues are necessarily physical physical talent. I think he's got a between the ears problem. So, 100%. Unfortunately. You know, unfortunately. So, yeah. They're different players, and it's unfortunate that people make that that comparison. However, I do think the Alabama thing is fair. Because mm-hmm. with Mac Jones especially, because you're talking Mac Jones sat behind two guys, right? Yep. He sat behind Tua and sat behind Jalen Hurts, who are both now in the NFL, and who people are – I mean, people were already counting Tua out. And this is Tua who had a hip injury and had no offseason. 
and they've seen enough of him that they're like, I don't know if he can make it. And and Mac Jones sat behind him. So, I mean, Mac Jones has has as many starts as Trey Lance does. So, again, I just don't see the Mac Jones thing. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, and I mean, we were talking about it in the group chat. Uh, Mac Jones was almost beat out by a, a true freshman this, this past yeah, you know, was year. Like a, coming he's a five-star guy, right, that they brought yeah. in? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that should be concerning too. That's a guy that you're you're telling me that the four names are going to draft to be the face of the franchise and take over the reins. I, I don't see it. Um, two quick things, though. We don't have to del- delve into much. Uh, ben Albright, uh, uh, Pro Football Network, and he has a radio show in Denver. Um, he's usually pretty spot on with these things, and I just thought it was interesting. He tweeted out today, if you had to guess – the 49ers, he, he put his top 10, but the 49ers at three took Trey Lance. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, and also, yeah, he's, he's waffled a little bit, but I think he's been pretty, he's been closer to Trey Lance the whole time. And I definitely could see Trey Lance. I'm not saying that, you know, again, when I say Trey Lance has the bigger bust potential, it's not, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust. I actually think whoever the Niners pick is actually going to be a pretty good player because yep. teams this good almost never pick in the top three. Yep. So he's whoever they pick is going to a really good situation. So I just want to get that out there. This is not Trey Lance hate because I really like Trey Lance too. Yep. No, that's a good point. Um, and, and you know, the second thing I was going to bring up is that the big time throws PFF 49ers tweeted this out since 2019, the 49ers are last in the NFL with 33 big time throws. Um, and the 2021 draft class since 2019 Trevor Lawrence has 51, Justin Fields has 48, Zach Wilson 45, Mac Jones 38. So it would be a huge step up to get Justin Fields with, you know, as far as the big time throws. They don't, I'm going to throw in here, they don't add in what they calculate or classify as a big time throw, but it's pro football focused. So you got to take what? No transparency from PFF? <laughs> no way. No yeah, way. Um, you mentioned, though, the, the, situation is going to be key Mm -hmm. and that's what i was going to ask you about next is the 49er situation is so different because they do have a roster set up they were in the super bowl two years ago they were talking about running it back one year ago and if it wasn't for a multitude of injuries covid pretty much the year from hell they likely would have been in playoff contention you know um how much does that help an incoming rookie to be able to step into a situation and maybe be the first rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl or to even lead, you know, have a nice deep playoff run. How much does that help? Uh, it, it helps them immensely. It, it essentially turns into quarterbacking by numbers. So they go, okay, kid, all we need to do is have you go one, two, three, and then everybody else will do four, five, six. You know, it, it becomes so easy when you have playmakers on the outside, when you can run the ball, when you have a stout defense. Um, when you have so much talent around you and you have a coach that knows how to take advantage and scheme people open, um, it, it, the speed of the game is always an issue. Um, being able to throw with anticipation, that's one of the things that's a knock on Tua right now is that he waits for people to come open rather than throwing people open. Kyle schemes people open. So there's always going to be a throw that if you can read the field with any sort of uh, anticipate or you know with any vision whatsoever, um, a little bit of anticipation, you're going to find that open guy. Um, and it becomes really easy. The, the best thing that you can do is not turn the ball over. That's essentially all the rookie quarterback is going to be asked is learn the playbook a little bit at a time and just don't turn the ball over. Everything else will take care of itself. If you can, if you can avoid those two things, the 49ers are going to score points. 
So I think it helps a rookie out immensely in that regard. Um, even somebody, even somebody, and I know Steve's saying not Mac Jones, and I've said no, not Mac Jones no matter what. Even a guy like Mac Jones would be successful in this offense simply because of of how well Kyle can scheme it. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, the ideal scenario would be get them up to speed on the plays, um, and then get get them in there around trade deadline time if you can manage to offload Jimmy Garoppolo. But something tells me that day two, day three of the draft, that they might they might move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if the Patriots aren't able to move up and get one of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, DK says here, come on, y'all, why are you hating so much on Mac? All the stats against one guy, you can do that for all of them easily. It's, situa- it's situational hate, okay? It's, uh, like, it's like... Uh, I I don't know if I want to use this, but it's like situational hotness, right? So let's just say you're, you know, you're in Canada, right? In in the northernmost whatever in Canada, and you're looking for a significant other. You have a small pool of men and women that you can choose from, right? And I mean, you kind of just got to make do. Now go to a South Beach or Southern California where there's beautiful people everywhere. All of a sudden, that Canada 10 is a California 2, you know. And so when you look at Mac Jones, I know that's a bad analogy. But um, (laughs) when you look at Mac Jones, Mac Jones is not a terrible player. I don't think he's going to be a terrible player. But when you got a guy who's pretty much a pocket guy and you have other guys who are almost as good at passing, right, but also have the athletic element, the running the ability to potentially be better long term, right? Higher ceiling. You traded three first round picks to move up nine spots. So you want to take the player with the most tools. It's it's as simple as that. It's not hating on Mac Jones to hate on Mac Jones. It's not liking the idea of taking Mac Jones with it costing as much as it did to move up. That's really what that is. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I don't think that it's necessarily hate and and great analogy. I, I was cracking up at the the way you're wording it, but I do think that that's pretty spot on. Uh, I just think that in comparison to what else is available, the other options the 49ers have, it, it's great. And, you know, I've com- I think I've compared it before previously to like, hey, do you want a brand new Mazda? It's like, yeah, I'll take a brand new Mazda. Mazda's great. I own a Mazda. But then somebody else comes up and it's like, well, for, you know, a little more, you can get this Corvette. And you're like, well, I can get a brand new, you know, it's like you might as well take the better option. And there's nothing wrong with the Mazda, but if you can have a better option, something better for your team, something better for, you know, everybody, you you take it. And it's got a much higher upside um, and, and, you know, an arguably same floor. I think it's an easy choice to make. Um, and, yeah, right. I think that the overall is they moved up. They gave up a lot to get mm-hmm. there when they arguably could have still picked him where they were. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I watched the tape and it's like, there's not a significant difference between Lance Fields, Wilson, and Mac Jones in terms of, you know, ball placement and accuracy and arm strength. They're all within like a stone's throw of each other. I would say that, you know, Mac Jones is probably up there in terms of accuracy, but he's the lowest in terms of arm strength. Um, so the passing part of it almost comes out to a wash, especially when you look at Justin. Justin Fields completed 70% of his passes and did not have the Heisman Trophy winner or a first round pick, Jalen Waddle or whatever. Um, 
I just I think that when you look at all of the other tools, right, the ability to move out of the pocket, off schedule plays, um, what Greg Cosell terms high level traits, that's what you're looking for. And if you, you know, I'm tired of the the safe pick, right? I'm tired of the let's go get Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick. And if he works out, he works out. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That was great, right? But Jimmy Garoppolo was a second round pick. I want a top five QB because I believe that this team can hit on one of those guys. And if you hit on one of those guys, you're set for 10 to 15 years. So that's what I'm looking for. Um, and, and why not get the high tools guy, the high traits guy, if the passing thing is very similar, which I think, again, they're pretty similar. They're of Justin Fields and Mac Jones in terms of accuracy, pretty similar. It's hard to shade it one way or another looking at the tape. So Mac Jones, probably like a four nine at the at the very fastest versus a four four guy. Yeah. That's an easy choice for me. Yeah. Um and, and again, credit to Vish because I was that I got this from him, but he basically said, look, everybody's saying Kyle Shanahan saw Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray shred him. But even more so, Robert Sala saw them shred him. That was their defense. So I think that kind of goes to your point earlier, Matt, that we're not rolling fields out at two because he equally, if not more, took that into consideration saying, look, I just got shredded by these guys. My dominant defense that basically got me this job was shredded by these mobile guys. Um, and that's not saying that Zach Wilson isn't that. I just think Justin Fields might be a little more. Yeah. I, yeah. I just look and and DK is going to keep arguing this, but whether he's four eight or four nine, it's not four four. When you got defensive ends running four threes this year, like the game has sped up, and Kyle has watched himself get shredded by a lot. I mean, listen, Kyler Murray's beat him again. Russell Wilson's beat him. Josh Allen absolutely took that defense to the woodshed, and Kyle had to sit there and watch that, knowing that he was going to trot out a quarterback that was not going to be able to get that done. No. I mean, that was a massacre that Monday night football game. So I just don't see how you can trade up all of that to take a guy in Mac Jones who has lesser tools than everybody else in that top five quarterback class. Yep. Yep. Um, DK, I think we're just going to settle on agree to disagree. Um, You know, Hey, we don't, we're not saying that Mac Jones isn't going to be successful. I want to point this out, though. I want to point this out, though, because this pisses me off when people do this. And no offense, DK. It's just that you happen to do it. When you sit there and tout your guy, right, and your argument to dissuade other people and their arguments is, well, you don't know, man. It's all guesswork. What do you think you're doing? You're guessing. You're doing the same thing. So it's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth to say, oh, well, you know, Mac Jones, he's not that bad. Like, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. What, you don't like Mac Jones? Well, you don't know. You don't know what they're going to be. That's projecting. Come on, man. You got to be better than that. If you're going to come in here and, and make comments, you got to back up your arguments. And I welcome everybody's, you know, conversation and everything like that. But, like, bring up real points. You, I, just, I don't want to see anybody kill people's ideas without putting forth a good argument. That's all. Yep. Uh, well said. We're going to leave it at that. Um, again, appreciate all you guys for tuning in. I'm going to play our Jersey giveaway clip real, real quick. We're going to get a one-star review for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's all and right. it's again, like I said, DK, no offense. It's just you happen to do it that time. But I've seen that a lot throughout the 49ers fan base, and it just drives me nuts, man. I'm just like, it's cool to disagree. We all disagree. But, you know, have a good argument for why you think something is. So here's the, the giveaway. It's still going. You guys have until a week before the draft. Um, and I, it's been my fault. I had been. Zach froze. Anyway, while he's sitting there frozen, um, I listen, DK, I know you're saying you're not saying that he was going to be there at seven. I know some people are saying that, and that's not a for sure thing. But if you read the tea leaves, it was likely that he was going to be there at seven. So Zach's so frozen right now. Anyway, keep the comments coming, and I'll try to respond to them. It's hard to do a one-man show with no news at all. Um, Daniel Brunskill re-signed his one-year tender. Yay. Wow, Zach is really frozen there. Anyway, all right, he dipped out. Good. He should be back soon. No worries there. Um, listen, whoever the quarterback is going to be is who the quarterback is going to be. Okay? It, there's it, A lot of this is just speculation right now. Um, I know that people have each have their guy, right? There's There's actually a lot of people that want Mac Jones, and – that's cool. Like, if you want Mac Jones, that's fine. I think what what people are having a hard time with is the is the cost. So, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Melissa, if we go D line anywhere in the draft, I think we do. We could use another edge rusher. I think we're pretty stacked at defensive tackle. I think there's a lot of depth there between Kinlaw, who I almost always forget about for whatever reason, um, Armstead, who you can kick back inside. Then you have DJ Jones. Um, I know there was a report that they might bring Ronald Blair back. Like, that's a lot of depth at defensive tackle. Ebucam is going to be a nice rotational piece for the defensive line for edge rushing. Bosa, who looks like an absolute animal uh, in his rehab work that I've seen. You know, he's posted the videos on Instagram. He looks absolutely like he's ready to go right now. That's going to be set up. And then you don't know what you're going to get out of D Ford. So if you can take like a third round guy, it's a pretty deep edge draft in terms of mid-level talent, not top end guys. Take that guy in the third round and put him in and use him as a rotation on the opposite side for Bosa. Um, that that way you can get those guys in there. So I think that's what's going to happen there. Kevin Givens is still dealing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I try not to talk about too much about people's criminal stuff going on but i mean kevin givens is always like a rotational guy so you can replace those guys like those those are guys that you know if it doesn't work out they're acting up they're not doing the right thing it's not a big deal um you can find those guys and it kind of it kind of doesn't hurt the team too badly in terms of okay this guy was like a ridiculously good guy um, you know, it's not like Ruben Foster. Ruben Foster was like a huge, a huge disappointment just because of the draft capital that we put behind him. So his legal stuff really like when we had to get rid of him, that was really something that kind of hurt. Um, so going forward, you know, th- this this team is built on character, guys. So and you'd like to see that going forward, which is why Mac Jones. Also, I think that that early DUI is uh, is going to play on their minds, too. So. Look out for that. Um, Clowney is potentially signing with the Browns. Who cares? So, Clown, oh, Clown, listen, Clowney is one of the most overrated players to ever come out of the draft. 
He's done essentially nothing in his career. His best seasons were propped up by J.J. Watt on the other side. He hasn't really done anything. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, safeties who we could get in the draft. There's a couple that I like. Um, the best safeties are going to be round one guys, though. Um, they, they, we're, I'd look round two for a safety, maybe round three. But beyond that, they're going to be a little bit more hit or miss. You're really going to have to do your due diligence on those guys. So keep the questions coming, people. Uh, Steve's asking, should the 49ers take a look at running backs early? They have no running backs. Um, I would say no. Um, you don't want to go too early. I mean, running backs are – it's the most devalued position in football. I mean, at this point, it's it's. I would argue that kickers might even be more valuable than running backs. A great kicker is, you know, uh, running backs, they just seem to – you just seem to toss them out whenever you need a new one. And Mostert's – Mostert's really good. Don't get me wrong, but you know he had the injury thing last year. He's getting up there. If they have to move on from him, how hard would it be to replace? Um, you know, even guys, even the top level guys. You know, Ezekiel Elliott looks like he's already on the backside. Um, you know, he hasn't been as good. It's just really weird. Running back is a really weird position that I just don't feel comfortable putting a lot of draft capital into. It's it's pretty crazy um, the way that the position is kind of. You know, when I was growing up watching football, I'm dating myself. It was it was in the 80s, you know, late 80s. You're talking about, you know, the best of the best running backs. Every team had a thousand yard rusher. It seemed like um, everybody was running I formation football, you know, dives off the right off the right guard or whatever. And now it's, you know, it's running back by rotation and things like that. So, yeah, I just, I just don't think that you can spend a lot of draft capital on a running back at this point. Melissa's asking, besides center, which other offensive line should we take a swing at? Uh, I would like to see a guard. Um, you can take a guy that, you know, like a Creed Humphrey or um, a Wyatt Davis or somebody like that, that, you know, you can move around to different positions, I feel like, if you if you got them in there. So guard is definitely a need. I think center is still a need because as good as Alex Mack is, he's getting up there in age. I think he's going into his age 36 season. So how long is he going to be around? Um, that's something you want to take a look at. To me, the bigger concern is probably wide receiver at this point. Um, I think that, that beyond Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, you don't have a lot there. Um, you have George Kittle, which, again, three playmakers is nice to have. But why not draft You know, maybe a slot guy? I know that uh, I think it was Matt Barrows was talking about Amari Rogers being his draft crush. So you look at a guy like Amari Rogers who could work out of the slot might be a good returner. Um, somebody that has a lot of versatility is somebody that I'm going to look at. And even if that's a running back position, you know, there are running backs that can line up in the slot. Um, so it, you basically at this point, it's the, uh, it's the old college phrase, right? The athlete, that's what you want to get. So DK, why, why do we think Kyle is a good QB coach? All our QBs have just to, declined lost all the footwork anticipation pocket awareness decision making why do y'all think he's going to teach lancer fields that so i don't know that that's necessarily factually accurate um what quarterbacks are we really talking about matt ryan still really good uh matt schaub had a long career in the nfl 
right? Kirk Cousins, long career in the NFL. So the other guys that you talk about, RG3 had injury problems. Jimmy G has injury problems, right? Johnny Manziel flamed out that they didn't even work together that long. And then you're looking at people who were never was, you know, never were like Brian Hoyer, not really a good guy. Nick Mullins, not a good guy. CJ Beathard, not a good guy. So we don't really know when has Kyle ever had the the first round talent guy that that he's drafted, right? Because he turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. That's the one first round guy that he's really had that he got to work with, other than RG three, who in his healthy season won Rookie of the Year. So we don't really know yet. All our QBs. Okay, well the head coach is not working with the quarterbacks with their with their feet. In practice, that's the quarterback coach job. Kyle has to run the entire show. So uh, Elijah Moore would be great. Don't think he'll be there in the second. Yeah, I don't think so either. Ronald Moore, Elijah Moore better. It's tough. It depends on what you're looking for, really. I'd like to see either. I don't know. I think both could make a difference. It's just depending on what what value you're getting for them. All right. Um I think it was smoke about Josh Hokett and Charlie Werner coming out last year. We see something because they call Charlie a baby killer or some such. I don't know. I don't know the depth of the tight ends that much. So um, we'll see. I think we'll see. So someone's coming in. Is it Zach? Hey. So my entire the power is out in the entire building. Oh, nice. Um, you just got to a new place I'm and on my phone. Yeah. So I'm sure this connection's really shitty. Well I'm not on any internet at all. Nah, hey, you know what? You look all right. There you go. Um the chat helps carry it through anyway. <laughs> so all right. So I mean it's up to you if you want to just continue like this or you want to end it. Let's go. No, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's been a weird off season anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, it has. Where were we? Um, next on the topic. Yeah. Next, I was going to ask you, is Michael Giardi, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, mm-hmm. from NFL Network, is mm-hmm. reporting that the 49ers are still trying to get a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, although that could yeah. be lowered after the draft, obviously. Do you think they're out of their minds for trying to get a first-round pick? They're not going to get a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. There's only so many teams that are desperate for that. Um, Their only hope is that all the quarterbacks get taken before New England picks, and they're like, "Mm, you can have them. Give us 15. That's the only chance. But I don't think he's worth a first-round pick, not at this point. When you look at the injury history, that in and of itself becomes a concern and lowers his value. Jimmy's move, I don't know. Backup quarterbacks are backups for a reason. You would hope that whoever is there – you know, doesn't have to play that they just hold the clipboard. Yeah, Dang, man, yeah, you're you're building lost um, power day me, one, yeah. huh? You know, dude, my connection's really bad. I can barely understand what you're saying. We might have to just end it. That's all right. If we gotta end it, we gotta end it. Yeah, um, if it I'm hoping it hops back on soon. Uh my phone wasn't charged at all. I'm I'm horrible at this, but um thanks everybody sorry it was kind of a crappy ending but i appreciate you all tuning in uh we'll get back with you guys soon yes so we're gonna we're gonna sign off um 
hopefully we can get this right for the next time. It's a live show, folks. Anything can happen. So I guess until next time, go Niners. <laughs>